You have a pretty good, uh, you know, high school drama club voice. Thanks, I think. <laughs> Darkness falls across the land, the midnight hours close at hand. Fox Lee crawls in search of blood to terrorize y'all's neighborhood. This week, played by three gremlins in a wolfman suit. The foulest stenches in the air, the funk of 40,000 years, and talon leaves from every tomb are closing in to seal your doom. Do you believe in love? And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver. For no mere mortal can resist this evil Jebrench thriller. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's the 80s song you were referencing. Uh, uh. I don't know the next bit of lyrics. No one knows the next bit of lyrics. <laughs> I I was under a work. <laughs> Wait, you, you I, didn't I, realize that you didn't realize I was doing thriller. I totally did. I thought he was being deliberately <laughs> anachronistic. I was being deliberately clueless. Oh, good. <laughs> I will trim this out to make sure that I. You're, no, no, no. This is a this is a worthy conversation because it is plausible that you sheltered existence <laughs> when thriller first got popular. That was like 1989 or so. Yeah. I, I remember it was not. Uh, it, it was late enough that I can remember um, parents at our at our um, church um, being, being terrified of it. Yeah, being deeply worried that this was an example of the <laughs> satanic rock music that would uh, allow demons to infest the souls of children. <laughs> I mean, it's right there in the lyrics. Yeah, uh, and I mean, then, there ain't no thing uh, gonna save you from the thing with the the forty eyes. Yeah, and you know that that we, we were genuinely worried that Thriller was like a gateway summoning spell. Good lord, if you'd all had ever heard Don't Fear the Reaper, what would I have? Oh, 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 yeah, we, heavy metal. Uh, the- they all had, because all the parents that you couldn't have gone through the 70s and, and not met that song. <laughs> we we had, uh, we had in our church, we had uh, a dad who owned all the Eagles records, and he kept them hidden like contraband. Was it your dad? It was my dad. <laughs> it was a dad. I didn't want to out him uh, like that, but uh, yeah. I kind of like classic 70s rock. I yeah. just I just try to ignore the fact that they were all stoked. <laughs> Night nights in white satin. What? There's no drugs involved. No, in no, no. There's no sex or drugs or rock and roll in my 1970s rock collection. <laughs> I love that your dad had to hide the <laughs> whitest milk toast. <laughs> I know. Dad rock in the world. Oh, oh, oh yeah. it gets better. From being too satanic, it gets better. He also had to hide his Jimmy Buffett albums. That is amazing. <laughs> well, once again, a lot of weed went into the <laughs> Lots of weed. <laughs> In fact, it seems to me that your dad's musical taste can pretty much be summed up as white boys on weed. <laughs> Which is curiously my and own. Joe <laughs> Which was all written by Dylan, so <laughs> Oh, he was he was a, he was one of the great white boys on weed. <laughs> one of the masters of the white boys on weed genre. Okay, so hey, to try and steer this podcast, straining at the bit, uh, back to the idea of video. We should record a podcast. Yeah, we should totally do a podcast one day. Hey, Jeb, what have you been playing this week? I have been playing Spooky Bonus, the the most spooky of bonuses. Spooky Bonus. Spooky Bonus. You want to tell uh, me about this? It's 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 spooky. it's 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 really spooky. It's a it's an adorable match, ador- adorable match three game by uh, by Grey Alien Games, who made Regency Solitaire. Yeah, and nice. this also managed to be incredibly heartwarming and endearing. Are you playing uh, Tiny I'm, Ghost? Hmm? Are you playing a Tiny Ghost? Uh, no, that's that's not the House Terror Town, which is also really charming. <laughs> but no, this is just you're going around through a hundred levels of this match three game, and just you're matching all the like there's cauldrons and skulls and you know all the Halloween spooky stuff and 
you collect power-ups that uh, you, co- you you gather gold, you upgrade your abilities, just like in Regency Solitaire. It's not as great as Regency Solitaire is. <laughs> but it's definitely your thing, isn't it? But it's good. It's it, it's really good. It's not necessarily fair to compare it to Regency Solitaire, because that game is outstanding. <laughs> but hey, if you're looking for a match three game for Halloween, spooky bonus. Yeah, there's not a I whole lot it. that you can add to a match three game, so you may as well add extreme cuteness. Well, yeah, character is a really important yeah. part of games, and thematic is really important. And honest to God, for Halloween, for the better part, Halloween is this wonderful period, not necessarily of the actual use of fear and horror and terror and all that, but of, <laughs> of this... Us, fun horror and terror. Yeah, of this fun spooky. aesthetic. Spooky. And honestly, given the production time, I'm going to guess Spooky Bonus is a smaller game. Like, Regency Solitaire came out in, what, <laughs> March? And, you know, devoured Spook- and consumed Jeb. Spooky Bonus is, uh, it only just released on Steam recently, but they made it a couple years ago. Oh, okay. Okay. Chronologically, in the Grey Alien timeline, Spooky Bonus came first. (laughs) For something like a match three game, you could have had an engine sitting around for ages that you didn't necessarily know what kind of theme you were going to go with for the end. For for something like a match three game. I believe they also have a holiday bonus, so look forward to that consuming my life in December. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. And then I think it's 2016 when, uh, when, um... What's it called? Shadow Hand comes out. And that will consume my life too. So, yeah. Go Grey Alien Games. These people are pretty good at making card games, it seems. Sounds like they have Jeb's number. Mm. I, I'm not going to say I'm an expert in card <laughs> games, but Grey Alien seem awfully good at it. Well, Sh- Shadow Hand is uh, like a, an RPG visual novel card game. About <laughs> a swashbuckling uh, Victorian noblewoman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. You've I'm got, into that. You've got Fox's attention. <laughs> Who, and of course, she's trying to, um, the way it was described to, to, described, uh, to me when, when I first heard about it is that she's, uh, she is trying to protect her, she's, she's turned to highway robbery. She's in her swashbuckling highway woman ways to, to help protect her, uh, special female friend. Ooh. So, so it might just be something that, like, every single person <laughs> listening to this podcast wants. <laughs> uh, I'm in. Who's with me? <laughs> Indeed. Um, did I play anything else? Oh, yeah, Rebel Galaxy, that came out, and I have played it, and in a completely different tone from the cute and everything like that, Rebel Galaxy is the dad-rockest of dad-rock games. <laughs> this is Rebel Galaxy? Uh, just a reminder, this is the game Sabriel talked for a bit about. That's right. Oh, that one. So a couple of months ago, we got a preview, and now it's out. It's uh, uh, the, the space trading and piracying and all that other stuff, and politicking. To the most glorious dad rock that I've heard <laughs> in, in in a video game, and if you want to replace the dad rock, you can. It also allows for custom music. Oh, I could get it to play my dad rock. You can play more dad rock. <laughs> I, I have a lot of dad rock. <laughs> I I also like white boys on weed as a genre. Well, the, the thing is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide if it would be. Uh, be fitting to, to, to get the, all of the ideas I had for Metal Gear Solid V's helicopter <laughs> and put them into the space game for when I'm fighting spaceships in space. Oh, d- dang it, that was, I thought of a really good helicopter song and I was gonna tell you about it on this podcast but I've forgotten about it so now it's just a useless little aside to tell them we'll have to trim out. Yeah, it's probably. made more work for our editor. Or I might leave it in and make you look like, you know, a clueless goof. Just. A person who says, oh no, I forgot something, what was I going to say? Because we all love those people. Yeah, and now we're going to have some dead air. That gets truncated. I know how the edit works. Crap! <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it gets truncated. 
<laughs> Did you catch uh, it this? would actually be harder for him to not truncate it because he'd have to like specifically go, okay, except this bit, don't truncate last, this Last bit. week, I didn't run the truncate. There was uh, nine minutes no. of dead air on the podcast. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> I'm really good at this. <laughs> really good at this. We've been doing this for, for what, 40-some episodes? We're really good at this. Kickstarter stretch goal, we will listen to an episode after it's edited so we don't make dumbass mistakes. <laughs> That's the third tier of the Patreon. <laughs> Some editorial oversight. <laughs> yes. Rather than running on the current regime of fuck it, that'll do. <laughs> That's the name of our basic support tier now. <laughs> fuck it, that'll, that'll do. do. <laughs> fuck it, that'll do is my OKCube profile name. Nice. So, Fox, what have you been playing? Farming intensifies. <laughs> <laughs> More Rune Factory, huh? I have played nothing except Rune Factory. Well, Forte is not my wife yet, so... Well, you know, obviously. I, there's more playing to be done. Of course. <laughs> Does, do, do the game saves know about one another? Do they talk behind their back? Um, In in that the special command which lets you change your appearance and, and fake uh, same-gender relationships? Yeah. Did, oh. did you see what Saves Lot 3 did? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's kind of true. I, I accidentally uh, changed into a swimsuit while we were off adventuring somewhere. And I didn't realize it affected my whole party, so suddenly we're having a beach party on a rainy day in, in August. <laughs> hey, we're, we're going to kill some monsters, right? And the party's like, you're the prince, whatever. I'm wearing bodges. Don't, yeah. don't, don't you hate when you show up to a party in the wrong thing? I just realized August might be the right time of year for that in the Northern Hemisphere. I don't know. That is the it's winter here, just work here. with me. Okay, so that, that that is something. Okay, it's the opposite of the hottest part of the year. Sub that in. Yeah. In in late autumn, shall we say. Yeah, I'll totally do that edit. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it, that'll do. Fuck it, that'll do. Uh, yeah, so re- well, we have the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so quickly, we have lost our enthusiasm. <laughs> Which is also my OKCupid OK profile name. I was going to say that Safe Slot 3 was my OKCupid OK profile name. <laughs> but I was worried it might come across as Safe Slot, which, you know... I I wouldn't. Oh yeah, that wouldn't be appropriate at all. <laughs> <coughs> anyway, look, I appreciate all safe slots. Yes, and I appreciate all safes. Apparently, anyway. Ah uh, yes, there's something interesting with this version of the game, which is that there are certain events you need to have triggered before you can propose to someone. Which in the previous games it was just a case of I get your love score up to X Y Z and then say Hey, marry me. Or, at the very least, go on some specific character quest which is available once you like me enough. Whereas this, it's fucking random. <laughs> <laughs> you may see the marriage event for the person you have a crush on in year one. You may see it in year five. Enjoy! Oh, no. It's not too bad, though, because it made me just sort of take a laid-back approach and go, yeah, whatever, we we don't need to get married right now. We can wait. We'll see it whenever it comes up. So a relationship actually has time to grow, which... Yeah. Just by dint of having a multiple year time scale, Rune Factory is a more realistic depiction of romance than most Bioware games. Yeah, until the event where you have a child and there's a time skip and everyone looks identical except your child is old enough to go adventuring with you. <laughs> we still you, you look say, like we're 14! Oh well. You say most Bioware games, but I mean, Dragon Age 2 takes place over like a decade. That's something. I think my game of Baldur's Gate 2 took place over like six years. That's just because you rested every single I, I did time. turn on sleep until heal, sure, but <laughs> there's no... Penalty to time pass. 
weird fucking thing. Yeah, Baldur's Gate 2 is one of those games with an amazing failure of suspension of disbelief yeah. because they just yeah. made it so that they, the story is saying, urgent, urgent, you have quickly, to Quickly, quickly, go and save her. Go rescue her, go rescue her or something terrible will happen. And literally, no matter how long you take, nothing bad will happen to her until the day you set out to rescue. Except the guaranteed bad stuff. Oh yeah, the guaranteed bad stuff is going to happen, but that... <laughs> you have no power over any time-based event in this game. Forget about it. Yeah. Oh, and these things won't be available after the first arc, so, you know, spend at least a few months doing that shit before you go anywhere. Yeah. The upshot being that you basically leave uh... Imowin to languish in prison <laughs> yep. for the better part of a year. Oh well. Dick. Serves her right. <laughs> It's uh, it's not well designed in that respect. What we have learned from this is that if you're going to have uh, time-sensitive story events in your game, you should probably make them time-sensitive. I I refer to this as very as how Bioware designed, and I know Baldur's Gate isn't Bioware, but you know, it's basically. <laughs> uh, but the idea of being very thoroughly designed, the the time scale in Baldur's Gate Two is an example of what happens when that thorough design falls through, because they clearly like, okay, we need to make it so the passing time will track how much time passes. You know, when you rest, it'll actually have a statistic for that. But then the people in charge of writing the story and the people in charge of the system for resting didn't talk to one another. I always took this as being just they, you know, they put in second ed D and D and they went, well, you know, it says damage takes this long to heal or this spell takes this long to cast so we're just going to put that in there and yeah. they didn't really consider the ramifications of it because you know that's what the, the D&D implementation in that game is like it's oh yeah hilariously half assed and sometimes it's bafflingly literal and other times it's like well that wouldn't really work so fuck it well uh, I know that for a certain extent that the programmers weren't allowed to directly copy second ed rules <laughs> in certain areas <laughs> fucking kidding me no and they weren't allowed to use the manual to explain how it worked oh, because TSR were dicks because replicating uh, the, one of the examples is Thacko in the Baldur's Gate <laughs> yeah, you can't say how Thacko works. They, they weren't allowed to explain how Thacko works, or basically, how do I get better at hitting Oops. things in-game? You, you weren't allowed to tell the player that. So As the- I recall, yeah, you weren't allowed to say what Thacko represented. Like, it's not so much you couldn't give the formula, but at no point, like, you see this... You see this mystical yeah, word. You know, increases your, well, decreases your Thacko by one. Okay, what does that do? What the fuck is a Thacko? Oh no, I don't want to use this sword, it decreases my Thacko. <laughs> oh yeah, numbers going down is bad, right? <laughs> and so the upshot oh. is that that game is embarrassingly obtuse <laughs> and the developer's solution to that seemed to be to make sure that you got ridiculously overpowered quite quickly <laughs> so the combat system could be just shuffled off into a corner and ignored and by ridiculously overpowered we mean get ridiculously overpowered items yeah and by that we mean fun uh... yeah, it's true Run- running around doing backstabs with celestial fury and watching as fire giants explode into bloody chunks that is kind of fun I want to go on record as saying that I desire personal ridiculous amounts of power not ridiculous amounts of power tacked on shiny toys so you- shiny toys are okay but when it comes to stupid ass god slaying bullshit I want it to come from within well that's why you get the Wesley Wyman mods and you play a wolfware that is exactly what I did <laughs> <laughs> hey I'm a great werewolf fuck you all <laughs> I ain't never being human again. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Which has the side effect of whenever instead of the instead of the hello speech, whenever you talk to someone for your sound files, it gives you the, the wolf grunt. <laughs> yeah. So you talk to the innkeeper. It's like, would you like a room, darling? <laughs> Maybe that's why I haven't noticed because I, I think I chose no voice for that character. Uh, uh, you yeah. know, there's not a good variety to choose from, especially if you're playing a female character. I've got the finest ale in all of Candlekeep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hosted by Tim Allen. <laughs> So yeah, uh, so again, do a set of wolf voice files now. <laughs> like somebody dies, and you're like, oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, so lots of room check reform. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, watch yeah, yeah podcast, right? Yeah. Uh, I mostly I've been going back to the swindle, uh, in part because I was playing hard mode of Hotline Miami Two, and that I feel that there might be 
the, the formula of Hotline Miami is this frustration engine where it just deliberately... <laughs> well, it, it wants to make you frustrated so that you have those snap moments. And that works really well in small, confined levels of Hotline Miami 1. It worked less well in Hotline Miami 2's big levels. And in the hard mode of Hotline Miami 2, they are, in some cases, just so obtuse. They, you, you really just have to random number generator roll over and over and over. Oh, did, did I get, did I survive the opening salvo of this level? Okay, great. Did I get lucky? Okay, great. And that's just really frustrating. What actually changes in hard mode? In hard mode, the levels are designed slightly differently. There are more people in each level and uh, all weapons have half ammunition when you pick them up. <laughs> and whenever you drop a weapon, it halves the ammo in it. So you, so if there's a stack of weapons and you're like, I want to pick up that shotgun, I picked up the rifle. Well, if I put this rifle down, I'm throwing away eight bullets. Oh, fuck. And that's really struggling. That's what it means. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, it has a nice air of challenge to it. When you do get your handle on it, it does feel pretty cool, but it does also have this deep randomness to it, and that's frustrating, because... Hotline Miami 1, for all that it is a very broken random game for high-level play, it still generally rewards you for consistent skill in a single level. The fact that it can just be, well, no, these patrollers are going to hear you this time, and oh, you're screwed. <coughs> but the swindle. <coughs> the swindle is also a broken, slightly buggy. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is you also have been playing the same two exact games you were playing last week. At least I did, at least I did the homework. Well, I've been playing a game that no one's been playing. Well, I actually know Fox has played it. Uh, like, I played it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, made a game. This week was uh, presentation week for one of my class projects, which was the game Middleware, which... Which I named. You did. You did. Uh, it, it's really interesting that so much of this game has been semi-crowdsourced. Like, it's not that I've said, hey, players, do this thing. It's, you know, say, hey, uh, third-party contributors, make a thing for me. It's just been me throwing ideas out there and watching what people have to say about them. Well, what you did was... Too much cutting on your phone. <laughs> What you did was you you quit making games forever, and then you went to the, went to, the, the, to the people and said, "Help me make a game." Yeah, pretty much. What yeah. that be a to? Man, fuck that. Anyway, all right, I super do have to be you guys. Sorry, okay. Trying to hold Sound break. <laughs> and since this is clearly going to get cut while Fox is away from the keyboard, <laughs> fuck that game. Fuck that fucking company so fucking much. Well, I'm not sure that we can trust gamers. But we would like your money. We'd definitely like your money to make a spiritual experience with the Oculus Rift. By the way... Go to this church in the sky. One of my classmates, uh, who I'm doing um, a bunch of game-related courses with, she wants to work in Machinima. She's, her, her goal is to work for Rooster Teeth. She's super hardworking. I'm sorry? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's super hardworking. I like her a lot. She's great. Um, she only has one eye. And so every single time the Oculus Rift comes up, there's this awkward shuffling of feet. She has a false eye. Mm-hmm. And this means that, for example, we got an Oculus Rift in class, and the teacher's like, hey, do you want to come and have a look at this? It's really cool. And she's like, no, no. Right. Why not? So it doesn't work. It doesn't work. work. Okay. Yeah. She got a press pass to go to PAX Melbourne. Nice. Yeah. And it has been amazing watching her say to developers, all right, look, it's cool that you're developing an Oculus Rift game. I'm just wondering, do you have a non-Oculus version of it? Is there a version of this game that can be played on a screen? And they don't even answer that question. They're just like, we can't wait to see you at PAX. Like, you just say no. You just answer the question, but no. (laughs) And it's so weird. So, like, the Oculus... The Oculus Rift already, to me, was slightly off-putting because I thought, I'm probably going to get motion sick if I try to use that, and it looks like an expensive peripheral, so chances are it's just not going to be for me. You know, there are going to be some developers who are into it, and that's cool, but it doesn't. it's not crazy accessible to me. Right. And, and so now, hearing her talk about it, it's like, well, oh, wow. Strap two, well, you're going to strap, strap two HD monitors to your face. <laughs> 
it, it was a very strange experience to realize just how much, uh, like, I already felt that the Oculus was kind of off-putting and finding out that there's someone who's like, no, it's, it's, it's way worse than you think. Mm-hmm. Apparently they're really bad if you've got short-sightedness or astigmatism, too. Yep. It's specifically formatted to hit your retinas a certain way, and, well, sorry. Yep, I'm out. I'm short-sighted. I can't help you. Almost as short-sighted as this company. hey <laughs> Man, aren't you so glad that they sojourned in the wilderness for 40 years and learned so much about what they were doing and how to appeal to gamers? God. (laughs) I wonder if they're going to sell it on Steam. Oh, it's supposed to be free. Oh, okay, that's the first thing I've heard about that that actually makes me go, all right, fair. And they're also going to have a non-Oculus version. That's good, too. Good on them. It's still still going around a church in the sky. I I admit I was kind of hoping that they would have it on Steam so I could buy it, play it, and get a refund. Not not because that's behavior I personally want to indulge, but because that's behavior that I know would annoy them specifically. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. <laughs> I want to see them have this online experience thing that nobody has to pay for. Oh yeah, that that's gonna be you know that's amazing. How how exactly is that gonna work? Unicorn advertise. I hope they I hope they sell advertising space on their church. <laughs> the, the 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 announcement board out the front. <laughs> Eat Mountain Dew. Eat Mountain Dew. Hey, look, I don't watch a lot of Mountain Dew ads. <laughs> Mountain Dew is a beverage. Oh, yeah, of course. Drink Mountain Dew. Eat Doritos. That's the thing. Also, Downwell. Have you seen Downwell? I have not, but I have friends who say it's really good. Yeah. The only thing I really... Uh, the only thing about Downwell that really stood out to me... Like, don't worry, it looks like a perfectly good game. It's Devolver Digital published. They tend to have this habit of publishing games I enjoy a great deal. But uh, the thing that I thought was just marvelous about it is it's described as a game about a curious young person adventuring down in a well... Search of untold treasures with only trusty gun boots to protect them. Yep. <laughs> anyway, Fox is back. All right. Hey, dude. Hooray. Stopping the bitching about. <clears throat> Rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> Same with apparently. Oh! <laughs> but yeah, uh, so. So mostly I've been working on my class project, which was middleware, and in this case, working on means actually playing it with groups of other students. Um, this has been very exciting. It's been pretty weird for me. <laughs> like, I thought, oh, it's a buy deck of 70 cards. It'll take ages for players to get through that. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Well, when there's four players going and there's no limit on how many things you can buy a turn. Yeah, it's just burn through that sucker. And it's, it's great. Cool. And when the there's so- Most of them have a, have a buy limit. Yeah. And when the server card flips over and exiles everything... <laughs> You, you can junk the whole marketplace, and we watched as players were like, well, there's all these amazing, really good, rare cards in the marketplace, but let's go for a raid first. Raid? Mm. Okay, junk the entire marketplace. Four players all at once going, no! Because if we buy stuff, we might get a hold, and then we can't raid. Yeah. We want to raid, but we also want that shit. Yeah, I was surprised oh. at the tension working out well. So annoying. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. And Talon says, don't worry, there's not much likelihood that you're going to flip three, destroy everything in the marketplaces on one server. I mean, there's only like four of them in the deck. <laughs> there was a server that was nothing but destroy everything in the marketplace. <laughs> three in a row! <clears throat> I should feel bad. <laughs> uh, sometimes you draw a siege rhino into siege rhino into siege rhino. <laughs> and sometimes your opponent does. Mm, that was at Pro Tour Siege Rhino, right? <laughs> Where the finals were Siege Rhino versus Siege Rhino. I really like Siege Rhino. I wish I wasn't sick of it. Did Siege Rhino win? <laughs> well, funny you should ask, the uh, Pro Tour Battle of Zendikar was, in fact, Abzan versus Abzan, so... <laughs> It'll happen. Talon's trying to feel bad, but Abzan is so his colors! <laughs> Abzan wishing he was Timur, but yeah. Uh. <laughs> Rumors of Abzan's death have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> so... We have listener question. <gasps> what? 
yeah, the listener sent us uh, the question. Um, this is so exciting. Yes, yes, we're doing a little bit of a thing. Um, I, don't, I don't know how to handle this. Yes, this, this, this. I, am, I am all a uh, Twitter. <laughs> Cortana, how Which do we handle wet. this? I turn her back on, <laughs> ladies. Hey. Uh, the the listeners, the question is directed to the Jeb in Metal Gear Solid Five. The song that it presents about ninety nine red balloons is it ninety nine red balloons or is it the inferior English translation ninety nine red balloons? I haven't gotten yet, but I'm pretty sure they said it was ninety nine red balloons. A that's good to know. Yeah, that song didn't translate very well. It's rare that I listen to something in English and think this would be prettier if it was in German. <laughs> there's a couple of good moments, but there's somewhere it's like, wow, we were just stretching for that rhyme. Or, <laughs> Those syllables do not fit there. Hurry, hurry, super scary. Ah, oh, I fucking wrote that. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, we have another The Listener The Question. No. Yes. Can it be? Um, and this one is... Why, Jeb? Why? <laughs> Which I think means it's for Fox. <laughs> Why Jeb? Why oh, Jeb? he's likable and personality-filled. <laughs> it's, like, it's like shorts when you describe it like that. It's it's because the darkness sings the songs that end the very reality that we live in. And soon the waves it makes will ring out throughout all time. That's why. Do not look at the sky. That's not why. Well, that's an unrelated reason. Now we're gonna say, don't look at the sky because it's dark. Also, he knows a lot of stuff that we don't know. Yeah, like sports, like all sports. Pret- the Northern Hemisphere. I'm really good. I'm really good at pretending to know things. <laughs> and uh, card games that people actually go to and attend and play, rather than just looking up from the sidelines and going. Speak the things I pretend to know about. <laughs> uh, we so have the truth is, I'm actually not very clever. I just play it on TV. Uh, we have some other the listener the questions, but we'll save for later because for now. And now it's time for Retro Gaming News, all the news that's fit to print for the month of October, 2008. Brought to you by stars. October 2008, a year that happened... That will live in infamy. <laughs> Clearly, it is the greatest October in the history of 2008. In the history of our sport. Oh, damn, I'm so bad at that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, in the... the summer of love. In the month of October, in the spookiest of months... First up, we have a franchise it's game. In the, it's in the month of October in the spookiest of months. Yes. Okay. I don't Halloween well, all right? This is foreign culture to me. So I just let you two, guys get your energy out. You know, you're going to run and run and hit some trees. In, two, in 2008, waiting. in the spookiest of months. Bonk. <laughs> just want to remind you, the druids, all right? My family were worried about druids. That's when the druids came. Where, where did they find druids where in Australia? Find druids? We don't have a druid community. I mean, we probably do out there somewhere, but nobody the knows them. druids are all around us. <laughs> shapeshifted into a variety of things. <laughs> okay, we have an Xbox Live Arcade release of a franchise game. So I'm pretty sure Fox is out of the running on this one already. <laughs> yep, in 2008. Uh, deliberately ugly cover art. Mega Man 9? Yeah, Mega Man 9, where they gave it deliberately <laughs> retro art on the cover, and it looks awful. You're talking retro, like the original it... Americanized bullshit Mega Man cover? Yes, <laughs> it's great. Massive. Yeah, It's <laughs> fucking beautiful, I love it. And Mega Man 9 is actually a decent game. Yeah, it, it, indeed, I believe it's the final of the Mega Man's, really, isn't it? I liked Mega Man 10. Oh, Meg, oh Mega Man 10 did, did come out, okay. I wish I wasn't horrible at Mega Man games. Because you like Zero? Man. I really like Zero. Mega Man 10, I think it is, is the one that has easy mode. I want a game that's... That's the one I beat. I want a Mega Man game that's, that's Zero and Rush. Actually, I think the... Fuck uh, of everyone the, else. I think the, the Legacy Collection, or whatever it's called, that's on... I think it's on Steam now or something like that? I don't know. Uh, but the, the, the Mega Man Legacy Collection thing, I think, actually has easy mode for all the Mega Mans. <laughs> 
That is a long cold horror fair. Mm. Alright. But possibly nothing short of state saves could make me any good at playing Mega Man games. Okay, we have a franchise game um, with a bazillion unlocks. Just all the unlocks. Uh, this is a game with a huge cast and huge opposition and a long-lasting legacy of games. Is it Katamari Damacy? No, no, older than Katamari <laughs> you're well. making some good huge jokes. Huge! <laughs> no. And a huge dad uh, who so makes huge dad jokes. Supposedly this game has something to do with Chinese history. Supposedly. Oh, it's Dynasty Warriors. Yeah, it's Dynasty Warriors 6. Which, you know, supposedly it's got something to do with Chinese history at this point. One of the names. This, this, Dynasty Warrior 6 is the one where uh, one of the characters misses around on a catwalk and blows kisses at armies to knock them over. So I don't. I I got nothing. Oh God, I got the source material. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I just realized they would do a really excellent job of an Atelier Warriors game. <laughs> so I was thinking kind of like Hyrule Warriors, which is, I gather by the standards of these games, extremely serious in tone. <laughs> like, the most outrageous thing you can do is, like, jump on someone's face with a horse, or <laughs> yeah, you know, summon a giant ghost of your weapon, which is, like, positively low-key by the standards <laughs> of Dynasty Warriors. Alright, we have... You may remember that Sierra, at this point, is effectively a dying husk of a company. <laughs> so we have a Sierra game that's a mascot tie-in game for some reason, uh, with a with a product, sorry, with a character that you know, there's no real reason Sierra to use this character. It's not a Sierra character. It was an iconic oh. character of the PlayStation era. Craft Bandicoot. Yes, he's a Sierra character, isn't he? No, no. Did we talked about this last week. Oh no, Sierra did release another one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they they just like bought the character or something. No, Activision bought Sierra and said, ah. "This is your life now. <laughs> you will make Crash Bandicoot games." <laughs> Someone has to do it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. No, no, nobody has to do it. It's Crash Bandicoot, the worst Sonic. Purgatorially speaking, uh, for King's Quest 2 and 4, and probably also for the first two Space Quest games, I'm pretty sure Sierra deserves a sentence of, makes a bunch of Crash Bandicoot games. <laughs> also for King's Quest uh, 8. Oh, that didn't And happen. 9. <laughs> Don't forget King's Quest 9, that's a thing that happened. <laughs> Sounds like we have to get talented Let's Play these. No. <laughs> oh, not... you can do King's Quest 8, at least that was a point-click adventure game. I'm not gonna do Mask of Eternity, alright? You can do you can do the one where one of the, the main puzzle mechanics is the lady you're playing crying. Yeah. This this seems really serious. I'm seeing real pain on Dallas' face here. Uh, the, the King's Quest series was flawed, but the attempts to reinvigorate the brand were some of the worst of late '90s video game crossover schlock. And it didn't and happen King's in the late Quest 90s. Nine, and then King's Quest Nine came up. Yeah. And King's Quest Nine went made it a third-person action RPG. A really bad one. Yeah, I was going to say that wouldn't have necessarily been a bad place for the franchise to go if it was any good. Which I gather it was. I gather by the, the look worked of... Worked fucking just, wonders for Ultima. <laughs> the, the, the look of just, just ennui crossing down space right now. <laughs> the, the reassurance that you should never let yourself care about something that brings you joy because ultimately its fate is the same as everything <laughs> in the universe. Look, uh, Cedric the Owl was very irritating and King's Quest V was a bullshit-a-thon. I would still welcome it back. <laughs> in the place of Mask of Eternity. Mask of Eternity was, was just a deeply flawed idea execution. It was alienating. It wasted so much of the brand. It would be like if there was a grim and gritty first-person shooter Legend of Zelda reboot. You would stand there on the sidelines going, why? Why this? What what possible reason? Anyway, so... this, this Truly, they are history's greatest monsters. <laughs> this one is definitely completely out of Fox's wheelhouse. I just... I'm amazed that this would you, exists. Would you please something that's in my wheelhouse for once? We're getting there. Fuck your wheelhouse. I already said Loom. Nope. Uh, this is a, this is a uh, licensed video game published by 2K Sports for the 360 via Live Arcade. Alright? So it's published by MLB. What shape is the ball? It's round. Mm. It's so published by MLB? It? Sorry, it's a uh, it's licensed from the MLB. That's basketball, no, MLB soccer, is, or no, MLB it's is baseball. baseball. Oh, baseball. But oh, it's not a baseball game. But it has a round ball. Yes. If they make a softball game, that would just be wonderful. <laughs> no, it's you're, you're close. You're close. It starts with an S, even. Sport ball? <laughs> they make a game out of the Sandlot? No. Cricket. <laughs> 
No, not the Sandlot. Uh, it's MLB Stickball. Stickball? <laughs> stickball? What the fuck is Stickball? And it has all... where you hit a ball with a stick. It, and the, it, and That's the all those old spots that have a stick. And the thing is, all the all the characters are licensed images of Major League Baseballers with tiny bodies. With tiny bodies and huge heads. Yeah, that's the thing that they do sometimes. <laughs> it's a whole game of, you know, tiny body baseballers playing stickball. What is stickball? It's, it's where you hit a ball with a stick and you run. It's is baseball it like with a stick baseball. instead of a baseball bat. <laughs> stickball is usually the poor person's version. <laughs> Look, if you have to use branches for stumps, we don't change the name of cricket. It's still cricket. It's just shit cricket. <laughs> just got a shit baseball if that's what it is. I, uh, I don't even. <laughs> All right. We have an indie game. It was part of that big swell of Renaissance. Like, you've seen it in dozens of bundles. It's been very well distributed because it's quite good. Um... And it's got a good sense of humor. Um, its name implies something wet. World of Goo? Yep, World of Goo. Oh, okay. That's not retro. I didn't say retro. I thought you did. Indie. It's an indie. Yeah, small indie game. They have gone on to make some very charming games with that oh. aesthetic. Yeah. Have to go check like Little, Little Inferno, which is... Little Inferno was really quite smart. World of Goo was really quite smart. I love that world that uh, Little Inferno, once again, proves that Jonathan Blow has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Jonathan well. Blow once went and delivered a, a, a lecture to a bunch of students about how free-to-play game mechanics cannot be used to tell an engaging narrative. Yep. This was like a 45-minute long lecture. Well, that's a fucking lecture. stupid thing to say. Literally a couple months after he gave this lecture, Little Inferno came out. There's um, also a Nintendo game which uses the idea of haggling over the price of DLC with the game as one of its mm-hmm. mechanics. Oh, Rus- yeah, that's... Uh, Rusty uh, Slugger. Uh, yeah. yeah. Rusty's Real Deal Slugger. It's the baseball minigame fest. Yeah, and I, I legitimately think that's a cool idea. Hmm. Yep. Along with the, the World of Game thing. They also just released, like, uh, Human Resources, Inc., I think it's called. Oh, yes, that looked really good. Which I haven't gotten a chance to play yet, because I don't understand programming. But one of the people <laughs> at um, Indie Gamer has done uh, an overview of it, uh, Indie Games. The, the place you write for. My brain is not good. I'm used to just typing <laughs> I-N-D-I into my browser, and it takes me there, all right? You millennial! <laughs> He's forgotten words! <laughs> he can't speak without to... Google search history prompting him. You've got, to, you've got to spend less time on your cell phone. <laughs> more time talking or, to a person. More time talking to a person so that you'll be able to use the internet better. <laughs> But seriously, yes, I know that there's a, a human resourcing uh, write-up on that website that you does. <laughs> that place that I write words on. I'm genuinely embarrassed by this. <laughs> well, at least it's not. At least I didn't cover it. So, <laughs> Jeff, would you like to tell us the name of the site you work for? Hi, my name's Jeff. I work for IndieGames.com. Hey, you pretty much had it right, didn't you, Tom? I, I might have. <laughs> Isn't that what you said? I might have. I don't know. <laughs> Close enough. So now we have a spooky game. And I say spooky, not in it. Its aesthetic is actually trying to be that charming, silly, not actually scary. But this game actually wants to be scary. It's just not that good at it. Spooky's House of Jump Scares. By the way, listener, check out Spooky's House of Jump Scares. It's kind of adorable. <laughs> Cat in every closet. <laughs> well, uh, it's like there's, there's a bunch of jump scares early on in it. When you're playing through it, you're walking through all the hallways. But the jump scares are clearly like adorable little cardboard cutouts on a stick. <laughs> That's nice. So, this game... I've actually talked positively about this game's uh, conceits, the way that it's thematic and structured. I, I've actually, I actually quite like this game, because I think of it. Um, but it's not very good at being scary. It's not really very good at being scary. It's a science fiction... Nope, it's a science fiction game. Uh, it's, it's a triple A game, and this was the first installment in its franchise. It was, it was new IP for this generation. Uh, the protagonist has a name that's very referential, and lots of people made fun of him. Oh, this is Dead Space? Yes, it's Dead Space. With its protagonist, Isaac Clarke. Not... Okay, it's not really worth making fun of. Lots of people made fun of it. I don't it's know why. It's not like a Biff McLarge huge kind of referential name. It's... <laughs> no, it's here are two yeah, science fiction yeah. authors' names okay. in a science fiction game. So that's not going to be scary, is it? It really isn't very scary, because around the mid-game, you are running around with what effectively amounts to a chainsaw. It's, it's not very foreboding uh, or... The protagonist is too effective, School of Horror? No. You also, you also have ye holy righteous boot of Clark. Yeah. 
when you stomp on things, they become geography. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I, I really, Dead really Space like one is re- Dead Space 1 is really good at making you feel powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not what you want in a horror game. Not really, apparently. <laughs> I, I really like a lot of the stuff to do with Dead Space 1. Um, the, the, the big twist in that game. The fact that it doesn't explain it. The fact that it's just like, yeah, this is the thing that's happened, and you didn't notice it because you couldn't notice it. Suck it. Uh, that actually worked really well in a, in a very horror movie kind of way. But again, it didn't make me scared. It made me, you know, very much in the experience. I really felt worried about Isaac's well-being, but that's why I was doing things like buying health kits and running around with a fucking chainsaw. <laughs> I love that Dead Space structures the character as an engineer, because suddenly a lot of video game problems disappeared. <laughs> like, why are you yeah. sending me on my own to go fix the train? Because you're an engineer, it's your job. You know how to fix trains. Fuck off, go do it. You're also a wizard, so... <laughs> what? what uh, oh, even, even the mighty boot. Because even... he has a fucking magical hand that, that does time warps and yes. telekinesis. Well, it's, you've, got the, you've got the engineering equipment in your glove. Ah. <laughs> yeah, the engineering equipment, equipment is being wizard. a fucking wizard. Yes. Uh, and... And the, the heavy boots, the, the, the mighty stomp of Clark, it's because they're boots designed for outside operations on a, on a space, space station. Yeah. So they're massively weighted. <laughs> there is a lot... Uh, oh, the, the fact that all the weapons are repurposed tools, I really like that. Like, one of them's a plasma cutter, one of them's actually, like, a, a, a mag lift. What do you... Well, if you were doing operations outdoors on a space station, no amount of weight in your boots would help. No, they're, they're big, chunky magnetic things. Oh, magnetic. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. They're, they're... Like, indoors being weighted would help because you'd assume low gravity rather than no gravity. Mm. <laughs> like, outdoor, you're like, oh, my heavy boots will save me. Oh, no. <laughs> The zero G sections are also really fun. I, I quite like Dead Space, but I also I like how he, I like how he carries the uh, the classic the the classic engineering tool, the laser saw blade gun, <laughs> <laughs> and the flamethrower. You know, because like, engineers need flamethrowers. Does he have like, the, I can the, see, the I can see, standby I can engineering tool of vibrating mecha hammer? <laughs> I can see an engineer needing you know like a, like a blowtorch or something. That's fair. But the laser saw blades. <laughs> That sounds safer than a blowtorch if you happen to have a laser sword blade attachment available. Yeah, this is a game with some pretty deep flaws, yes. But I still really like it. <clears throat> Speaking of flaws and really liking it, Two Worlds is on sale right now for $2.50. <laughs> wow. Go. That's go. That's only $1.25 per world. It's $1.25 per world. That is a lot of savings. Speaking of deeply flawed and also part of a franchise... Sonic the Hedgehog. No. <laughs> this is a crime game. This is a grim Sonic the Hedgehog. Game. Oh, Shadow the Hedgehog. Yeah, Shadow okay, the Hedgehog. Next. Grand Theft Sonic. <laughs> well, though, the cover does feature someone wielding a pair of guns. Uh, this is a game that... Uh, this is a game that kind of is a, is a wonderful historical point because you can point at it and say, there, that's where shit started to go off the rails. <laughs> it's not GTA 4? No, it's in fact, compared to GTA 4, quite a bit. Off the rails in a good way? Is it Saints Row? It's Saints Row 2. All right. Yay! It's Saints Row 2. <laughs> <laughs> where, where the game of grim and gritty uh, gangland control is broken up with katana sword fights on the back of motorbikes. Because fuck the rails. The rails don't bring shit to this equation. Well, I was I was talking about uh, the Saints Row series recently with a friend who started playing it on my recommendation. And it, there they is start so, with one? They start with three. Good. Because, as I was saying, two is... Like, one is, one is quite bad, really. I mean, it's not some charms, but it is basically it's just a GTA knockoff. GTA clone. Just the fact that you can't make a character a woman, for example. Boo! Two opened up the box of this really customizable character. Like, you can adjust the <laughs> angle of your silly hat. Uh, and then that led to the more, well, for lack of a better word, wacky kind of behavior. Like, the protagonist in... Uh, the protagonist in Century 2 is really quite like a, a very low-key Batman villain. A very Christopher <laughs> Nolan Batman villain. You know, you're stabbing people and you're murdering people and you're making sure that these people get, you know, you're going to kill this person's significant other to get at them. Oh god, I'm gallon the man! Oh no! But then Saints Row 3 comes along and the rails are well and truly behind you somewhere and so it uses the trappings of gangland stuff but reality is gone. It's... You're also playing more of an anti-hero by that point as in you're doing heroic stuff even though you're an arsehole. Yeah, and I, I, like I want... By that point you're... Play... By that point you're Wario. Yeah, and... <laughs> I would like to point out... I would like to point out, of course, that Wario does in fact wear purple. Yeah, I was just yeah. thinking that. Wario's a saint. 
Did, did, you, guys, did you guys choose an offset color to go with the bright purple when you did Saints Row? I didn't choose. You, you had gold? No. I had bright green. I went black. I, I'm not very good at representing characters that look good in games, right? I... That's not the goal! <laughs> Alright, now, we have a game that is not quite as good as it thinks it is, but it's still pretty good. <laughs> Made Fez? by a developer who's definitely not as good as he thinks he is. And Fez? that's pretty much all I have to say on that one. Uh, no, not Fez. Jenny. We're talking big AAA game. Oh. We're, we're talking this Bioshock 2? Close. Bioshock 1. Bioshock 1, yes. This is the I year... I Bioshock 1 was earlier. Uh, this, is the, this is when he got the PS3 release and suddenly gaming magazines were allowed to treat it like it wasn't a, you know... Oh, it's not that good a game. <laughs> what, when it was only on the PC? It was... When it was, a, when it was a 360 and PC exclusive. Don't ask me how that works. There were <laughs> magazines saying, oh, it's not that good a game. You're not missing out on much at all. Then they announced it was coming to the PS3 and those same magazines were like, holy shit, we're getting it! Oh! Dicks. <laughs> Are you even listening to yourself? <laughs> yes. Uh, did you know that Bioshock uh, um, was based on the ideas of objectivism as promulgated by Ayn Rand and incorporated influences from other authors such as George Orwell. Holy shit. Which means, to, which is to say, Bioshock Infinite is the best game your high school teacher would have approved of you writing. Who <laughs> approved of you playing, you know, that wouldn't be a bad thing to have on a curriculum, frankly. <laughs> Alright, we have a franchise game. Long-running franchise. Really long franchise. Goes all the way back to the NES. It's on a handheld, so given that this is 2008, it's definitely not a PSP game. Kirby, uh, Kirby, 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 Kirby. No, <laughs> much more grim and spooky. Uh, Point of fact, uh, Kirby originated Kirby, on the Kirby, Game Boy. Kirby, 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 Kirby. Sorry, Fox? Point of fact, Kirby originated on the Game Boy, not the NES. Oh. I am well aware of that because that's the only Kirby game I've ever played. <laughs> really? Oh my god, you should play Epic Yarn. It's brilliant. Anyway. How? This, <laughs> this <laughs> good point. It's on the console that doesn't exist. Fucking find a Wii and mail that shit to you. It's tiny. It can't cost that much. So we have... Fuck this bullshit. So this game is spooky. This game has a Frankenstein's monster. It has a Dracula. It has a Wolfman. Ooh. It has Medusa heads. This Castlevania? Game, yes, it's a Castlevania uh, game. Gosh. Which one? Uh, In what year? 2008. Uh, Aria of... Uh, nope, not Aria of, sorry. It's the one with the lady. It's the one with the really hot lady, okay. yes. Order of Ecclesia. It's, oh, that hot lady. Sorry, yeah. there was a lady in the one before that as well. True. She's not very hot, though. No. Not compared to Shinoa, really. Shinoa is really good looking. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you have a back fetish, Shinoa is very important. And the character design kind of got fucked up by the fight game. Yeah. Real shame. But yes, Order of Ecclesia, which I've played a fair bit of. It, it's too hard for me. It your ass. The, the interesting thing about Order of Ecclesia structurally is that it does have two halves, and the first half is a totally linear, almost JRPG-style platform experience. There's no real exploration, there's no real secrets to go for. Uh, and that's really just... That's how you up. characterize a JRPG. No exploration, no real secrets. No, that's not how I characterize a JRPG, but it is what I'm talking about right now. Okay. And Order of Ecclesia, that opening section is very much just get used to the systems, get used to what you can do, and then you beat a couple of bosses, and it's right, and the game goes, right, okay. Right, now go fix it. Here's Dracula's castle. No, I'm not telling you where to go. <laughs> this is Castlevania, you're not paying attention. Try to keep up. I thought I, thought I was playing a linear game. Oh, ho, 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 fool you. <laughs> that, that shit was the tutorial, son. Basically, yeah. The first half of the game is a tutorial. <laughs> also, there's a giant enemy crab that chases you up a tower, and you Ooh. kill it by dropping the tower on it. Well, that is never bad. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. We have I've only played one Castlevania game. Yeah, which one? Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest. So the one that people make fun of? The, the really bad one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought the really the, the bad one... one was the, uh, the PS3 one. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that was oh, wait, that's bad. right. I did play another really, really bad one. The Nintendo 64 one. Oh! There was a Nintendo 64 Castlevania? Yeah. Yep, it was oh, a yeah, 3D was a action Castlevania platformer. 64, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a 3D action platformer. Mm, guessing that didn't go so well. Alright, speaking of 3D a three, action... A, a Nintendo 64 3D action game with whip physics. Nintendo 64 uh, with physics. Oh, dear. Well, look, a whip would be a better thing to have in a 3D combat game than most weapons on account of you can sort of play with that. Your, your hitboxes can be a little <laughs> You can maybe snap it onto targets so you don't have to aim quite so well. You sound oh. so optimistic. <laughs> Let me clarify. I I didn't find 3D action games playable at that point, except the one that gave me a button labeled lock onto target. <laughs> All right. 
speaking of open world and action in 3D, and I know no one mentioned open world, but fuck it, I'm forcing it into the conversation anyway. <laughs> Isn't that the dumb thing now? No. Shit, we better say open world. That, that's a marketing word. Fuck it, that'll do. That, that'll get our search engine rankings a boost. So this game owes its origin to a very weird set of events and company acquisition, where effectively <laughs> the game it's a sequel to was a tech demo. It wasn't really expected to do anything at all. And so these people have, all right, we have this really impressive engine. The developers who made the original game are all gone. They had no idea what they were doing with the franchise. We have no idea what we're doing with the franchise. What can we do? We can start fires. Fire in this alone game looks really good. No, not alone in the dark. <laughs> there's, a, there's there's good fire physics besides alone in the dark? Yes. Oh, the fire physics in that were good? Yeah. Far Cry 2. Far Cry 2. It's Far Cry 2. Far Cry 2 has outstanding fire. Far Cry 2 is an amazing game. Just it, the, the fact that it exists is so twisted. This is why nobody ever talks about Far Cry 1. Far Cry 1 was a island tour simulator. A really hard game. With, with, with an amazingly high difficulty level where you were stopping aliens invading a tropical resort. Alien werewolves. Yes. Wow. It really it was. was. A game where you played man in the bright Hawaiian shirt. Yes. Killing alien werewolves. Yes. Wow. And then you got Far Cry 2. It looked fucking gorgeous for the time. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Cry engine is a freaking amazing engine. It is a really good looking, it is a great way to make good looking environments. And then you got Far Cry 2. And Far Cry 2 said, all right, we have no idea what we were doing with the first game because everyone who worked on it is gone, but we have the engine and we have the name. What are we going to do with it? Oh, we got these fire physics now. These are really good fire physics. Um, okay, tell you what, how about we set a mercenary struggling with malaria in the middle of a civil war in what's probably South Africa? This doesn't seem like it's going to go well. <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess I can see why with that engine you'd want to do something realistic rather than oh, yeah. alien worlds. Yeah, you wanted you want to do something realistic setting with it. It's just it's it's ham fisted. There, there are there are some positive points to it, um, but broadly except speaking, except for Blood Dragon, it's the good Far Cry. Yeah, <laughs> well, that is kind of the Far Cry series in a nutshell. Which is there, there are some good points to it, but it is oh, Far Cry Two Far Cry problem was really good. Yeah, Far, Far Cry Two was really good. Fuck the, the the bad thing about Far Cry Two in my mind is just why why would you why would you say tell you what let's use a first person shooter to tell the story of a South African civil war? It's just there's a part of my brain that thinks this is not a good idea. Like I said, <laughs> some good stuff in it, but it's racially problematic, like pretty much all the Far Crys. <laughs> I understand you can play a you play a Sikh man in Far Cry 2, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand That's not something you see. And the characters you don't play wind up being your backup buddies. Yeah, cool. So if you don't play the Sikh dude, you have the Sikh dude watching your back. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. I like that as a system. Like making sure those characters feel like they exist in the world even when you're not playing them. Yeah, I'm not super fond of religious representation in games because I have issues with religion in any context. But if you're going to have a, a real-world setting and a real-world story, you kind of owe it to include some religious diversity there. Yeah. And in the, case, in the case of Sikh, uh, that's also a way of doing uh, racial representation. Yeah, it's cultural as well as religious. Yeah, it's, it's that multi-level thing. All right, Far Cry 2, which is um, also available on Steam and Dog, if you want to go back and get it. All right, now we have a tie-in game for something that probably doesn't need a tie-in. Oh, Shadow of the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have... We, we have an... In- Movie, TV show, sport, celebrity, or other? TV and celebrity. Uh-oh. Yes. For uh, Hell's Kitchen. You are close. It is a cooking show. But it's 2008, so not Hell's Kitchen. That's that's much more gritty. But he is a... It is from the UK, United Kingdom. The celebrity is from the UK. There is a Jamie Oliver video There game. is a Jamie Oliver... There's a Jamie game. Oliver video Why game. the fuck is there a Jamie Oliver video game? What's cooking with Jamie Oliver? Mm. <laughs> On the DS. Look, if it's not basically just cooking mama with Jamie Oliver's face in there, I don't want to know. No, it's a cookbook. Now, fuck off! <laughs> just put that shit on a mobile phone. What are you doing? <laughs> well, 2008... Some people had smartphones. <coughs> Reviewers Some people gen- had a Nokia N-Gage. Reviewers <laughs> generally agreed that presenting a cooking guide as a video game was a good idea, but they found the game was poorly executed and mediocre as a result. I think what reviewers agreed upon there is crap. <laughs> presenting a cookbook as a video game is a terrible idea. Alright. Unless you have, like, some actual gameplay shit going. At the very least, game- have it be like an anime character cookbook with, with stupid cartoon shit in it. <laughs> the game reviewers all agreed that, wow, this this, this boo is good. <laughs> Well, even went so far as to say, I am so wasted right now. <laughs> when asked about Jamie Oliver's fucking cookbook game. 
<laughs> hey, listener. Hey, listener. That's why, Jeb. <laughs> <coughs> All right. We have what was considered at the time the last hurrah of the real-time strategy franchise in... Uh, in no, there was, there was a very real, very real fear this would be the last time a big-budget RTS got made. Command Conquer Red Alert 3? Red Alert 3, Command Conquer, yeah. And they were kind of right in that RTSs have very much gotten smaller budgets since then. Yeah, because they're all on mobiles now. <laughs> and there's a billion of them! I, I will say, uh, learning that Subterfuge is a real-time strategy game, but like a real real-time strategy <laughs> real, game. Real, like, real-time. Yeah, it'll, it'll take you eight hours for your submarine to get where it's going. <laughs> Shit, your, what am I supposed to do then? Put your phone away! Talk to your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Stir up paranoia in every other player. <laughs> Beg your wife not to blow up your civilization. Try playing a Silent Hunter game without using the time controls. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Red Alert 3, which was really quite good. I, t- possibly a bit gaudy and definitely of the... Um... It's a Red Alert game. Of <laughs> course it's gaudy. <laughs> That's a very it's the series about going through time to kill Hitler. <laughs> and then, whoops, <laughs> Stalin's space, space advisor, alien mind wizard, has taken over. <laughs> uh, we also have... This is, this is the game that casts David Hasselhoff as the President of the United States. Uh, George Takei as the Emperor of Japan. And Tim Curry as the Commissar of Russia. Well, of the USSR. Oh, there's no scenery left in this game. <laughs> there's a lot of scenery. Should just be running around on a blank field because those fuckers ate it all. <laughs> <laughs> the game itself is pretty good, but the cutscenes are what it stands out for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's um, what you're here for. One, one, one minor note is that Jenny McCarthy is one of the actresses in this game. Ooh. If that's an issue for you, don't go get it. Otherwise, this game is actually really quite good. And watching... no, I, will, I would like to point out that she's probably not making royalties off it. Yeah, almost certainly not making royalties off it. This is before we knew she was full shit, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and this is EA's... Uh, I believe it gets given away on let's, Origin, periodically. Let's, let's, be, let's be honest. EA isn't going to give anybody any fucking royalties. So. <laughs> yes. In this case, good on them. <laughs> You, you, you know what would improve this? You know what they need to add? They need John Rhys Davies as the Prime Minister of England <laughs> and Stephen Fry as the Pope. <laughs> Fox, have you ever heard of a game called Ripper? <laughs> I have not. If you you wish to Ripper, is, Ripper is a game that has John Rhys Davies in it as uh, he's like a mob boss kind of thing. It's a, cy- <laughs> cyber, it's a cyberpunk horror thing. It's an interactive movie. Oh, yeah. oh. Well, it's like a, it's like a point-and-click adventure FMB game. Yeah. Ah, yeah. With Christopher Walken as your rival. <laughs> okay. It's got Jimmy Walker. This is all very legit. It's got uh, Burgess Meredith. It, it is. A... Do you want to talk about no scenery left at all? <laughs> I do feel a tiny bit sad right now, realizing that Vincent Price never got to be in a video game. All right. Oh well, he was in cartoons. That was pretty good. Yeah, he played Radigan. So good. All right. Now, do we want to go grim, gritty, dark, or do we want to go happy and fun and light for our last game? That's Halloween. Mm. So we'll go with Happy Fun and Life first. Alright, this is a community builder game. This is a platform game that primarily sells itself on having community-based levels. Little Big Money. Yes, Little Big Money. Which is really good, by yeah, the way. I don't mean to sound disdainful. I love the first Little Big Planet. I played fuck out of that and Super Lion shall live in infamy forever. Super Lion! I'm super disappointed they never made a Lion Sackboy, by the way. Where is my fucking Lion Sackboy? I'll put the cape on myself. I want a Lion Sackboy. Get your shit together. We, we, we always wind up playing this game with you know, seven other people in the room watching and laughing as Satan and the Super Lion <laughs> went on their adventures where Satan would routinely slap Super Lion at the end of every level. He, he was a lot better at, at operating the slap controls than I was <clears throat> But I got my own back by graffitiing all over his house. Yes. What are we talking about? Little Big Planet. Oh, yeah. We found it really charming. I also thought the actual designed levels were excellent. Um, The community ones, controls were terrible. Yeah, Yeah. I I really like the actual levels designed by professionals. Levels. By the way, I'll back you up on that controls thing. Yeah, they they handle like they're thrown socks. Eh, I don't mind it because that's kind of accurate to the aesthetic. Yeah. Like some of the dumb shit we did with throwing each other at things to try and get the little glowy whatevers, you know that. (laughs) 
that's almost like the emergent gameplay you get from sandbox kind of stuff yeah. in a platformer, which is not unimpressive. It's, it's got just the right amount of physics engine. <clears throat> All right, now we have a game about howling wind over landscapes of ruined, terrible remnants of civilization. It's a franchise that never changes. <laughs> Fallout 3? It's Wasteland! Yeah, it's Fallout 3. Yeah, 2008, October the release of Fallout 3. Which I, I got to play. Fallout 4 comes out next month. Yes! The hype is real! <laughs> Which You'll have to say goodbye to me because I'll probably, you know, never emerge from <laughs> a hyperbolic jet chamber. <laughs> I'm not going to play it at lunch. I'm waiting for the mod where you can just play as the dog. <laughs> I want someone to do a review of Fallout 4 as the dog. Like, the review is just woof, 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 I just, hey, hey, this will be a fucking excellent post-apocalyptic wasteland depressing bullshit game. Like, it's a first-person game and you go through all this shit and everyone's horrible and people are horrible and in the end you're a dog and that's why you have this unique perspective of, like, wow, humans are terrible. <laughs> they just do horrible shit to each other. <laughs> but whenever I'm around, they act really nice and give me, pat me on the head. <laughs> uh, actually, that might be broken because you would instantly know whether a character is supposed to be a good guy or a bad guy based on their reaction to a dog. <laughs> it's a secret weapon. But yeah, so that, 2008, that's quite a lot of rather prominent games, eh. like, landscape-wise. Eh. And Jamie Oliver. <laughs> Jamie Oliver. Review is giving Jamie Oliver's <laughs> co- cooking adventure three out of four malt liquors. <laughs> Alright. Alright, well, that's enough of that. <laughs> I promised that there would be more the listener, the questions. Are they all for Jeb? No. <gasps> no. Finally. Uh, first up, we have Talon is some sort of monster <laughs> who does not listen to the games he plays. What sorcery is this? <laughs> Does not listen to... Are we, are we talking about the message of the games you play, or are we talking about you turn off the soundtrack? I, I turn off the soundtrack, yeah. I, I tend to play games without the music. Uh, that's why you don't like Undertale. Well, I have to say, not since you've been playing Hotline Miami and the Swindle. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Hotline Miami and... Oh, yeah. Hotline Miami and, and uh, Swindle are kind of special cases. Yeah, I definitely play those with the music on. <laughs> yes, um, well, I'm also some kind of monster who doesn't usually turn the music on, which is why I was on here about a month ago going, Wow, Century 4 is so different when you turn the music on. <laughs> It's like all the charm of a night drive suddenly just bam. Full <laughs> I realized I love that it's always night when you're in the city and yes. fall. That was ah, it was beautiful. Um, with with um with music, I know that the, the main time that started was City of Heroes. I remember finding that the menu music was really and really most tend to have really dull music, especially modern ones. It's just generic techno. And the upshot of that is that I wound up playing City of Heroes with the, the music off entirely and playing the sound effect down low and playing my own music over the top of it. Also, there's another issue here, guys, which is Talon and I live in the same house, and if we're playing different games, mm. uh, also there's no headphone jack on my speakers. And my speakers are big and beefy. Yes. <laughs> I, I <laughs> pretty much the nicest speakers you can still classify as just stereo PC speakers. They're monsters. <laughs> monsters. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes we turn off the volume just because we don't... I, I don't. I know some people can listen to two pieces of music at once because I walk into, you know, shops and they'll have the store radio on and a demo of speakers playing some shit, but that makes me want to murder things. <laughs> I can't handle that. And I've been playing a lot of FF14, and that has really good music, so... Yeah. I've and been listening to that. And when we were playing the same game, when we were playing City Heroes together, do you know how incredibly annoying it is when the music is... Oh, yeah, seven, the same music slightly out of sync is also terrible. Yeah, seven or so <laughs> seconds out, it just sounds like a mess. I will say I played Ion with the music on. It's the only MMO I have left the music on by choice, because I do think it has a beautiful soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, stuff I play on, on the consoles, usually, I leave the music on, because then I'm almost always not in the same room as Dallas. But occasionally I'll play them totally on silent if we're, you know, streaming YouTube videos or something. Me, it's uh, like I, like I've been playing Spooky Bonus a lot. And a game like that, you know, only, you only have so much music in it. Yeah. Hmm. And after the first few hours, and yes, I've been playing this thing for fucking hours. <laughs> it's like okay, I think I've heard this enough. I'm going to turn Spotify on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> and as for me, I also um, I, I had a really weird environment when it came to music growing up. Um, we had cassette- what with the Satan's and all. Yeah, what with like in all seriousness, I remember smuggling cassette tapes with with pop songs on them. All right, it, it was a weird life. And this means that I'm used to hearing a playlist of, like, seven songs played over and over and over again, which God, drives just, Fox really up the wall. Yeah. I, I, I'm just thinking of, like, like a, like a, like a sandbox game now, 
where you play as a child in in this this horrifying church setting. You're doing things like <laughs> smuggling cassette tapes with pop music in. You have to be careful when you're walking past adults because if you show an emotion, you'll get in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, you can use, like, tilt controls or something. Like, don't, don't tilt down, that makes a frowny face, but don't tilt it too far up, because if you seem happy, they'll think you have something to hide. <laughs> You've experienced fun, child. You're enjoying life. What have you done? Who sent you the Satans? And by the way, it's not, it's not even that we were technically against pop songs, because as I learned later, like, the Patch the Pirate songs that we listened to, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna expose anyone to that particular horror directly, but they were apparently mostly just redone pop songs. Really badly redone pop songs. <sighs> Children's pop songs, maybe. They sound like the tapes I got from the Live Education Van. Mm. Wait, that's, a, that's an Australian... Life, guys, Life Education, education Van? van? Yes, this was a free program that came that around to all public horrifying. schools. <laughs> that sounds like something, uh, something out of a George Orwell story. No, 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 it's, it's wonderful. It's a van that went around Citizen, to public schools. Citizen, please report to the Life Education <laughs> and there was a nice lady, and she and a puppet of a giraffe, who later became an animatronic giraffe head when you grew up, because he grew up with you, um, named Harold, uh, would teach you stuff about, like, biology and social stuff. And it was basically a combination of this is how your intestine works, and this is why you shouldn't let other kids convince you to smoke. With a dash in the late teens of what to do if you're arrested. <laughs> I, that did not come up. Yeah, there's a pamphlet with Harold on it, which is distributed in certain communities of what to do if you're arrested. Oh, wow. Here are your look, rights what, for look, police. Look, I must here's have lived the thing, if you, find yourself, if you find yourself in a joint, right? You gotta make sure that you don't roll anybody. Oh, uh, Jeb, you misunderstand. Snitches, Harold was an Australian giraffe. I think I can do that accent that badly. You what, mate? <laughs> that's, all, that's all he says. You what, mate? But yeah, the Life Education Van is this wonderful thing that makes uh, any Australian basically go, Oh, I don't remember that! Except Talon, because his childhood was a barren wasteland of horror. <laughs> because puppets are Satan's, I assume. And well, I'm pretty sure animatronic giraffes are Satan's, even if puppets aren't. The, uh, and besides, they would have told you biological facts about how your body and your brain and shit really work, and you can't have that. Uh, the life education van was a government service. Oh, yeah, that too, you guys. <laughs> That's are... not helping my Orwellian picture in my mind. <laughs> they got this fucking... had, like, this crazy-ass American rhetoric that, like, yeah. it has no place in this See, country. See, my joke was perfectly fine if they had American rhetoric for it, wasn't <laughs> no, 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 it? weird shit that he tells me that they were taught, and I'm like, who? That doesn't even apply to this country. Yeah. What the fuck is going on with that? Because it's a directly important system of bullshit. Yeah. Well, one, one of the things we were taught was that... Because... Oh, the Constitution gives you the right to bear arms? Yeah, that actually does come up. Um... But we were also told... I can't tell if you're joking. I'm not joking. He's not joking. Uh, We were also taught that uh, because the Antichrist was coming, um, government records... No, he was just breathing heavy. (laughs) He was into it, don't get me wrong. Government (laughs) records would get seized, and that meant accurate government records would be a way for the Antichrist to torment people who were associated with Christians. Uh, So it was very important to make sure that any records or any association you had with the government was minimal, and it was okay to lie. Guessing this included phrases like social security number. Yeah, and, and that's why, for example, we reported incorrectly on some of the students we had who were handicapped. Uh, yeah. That's what you want in a schooling system? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> hey, hey, suddenly the horror is too real. Halloween isn't fun anymore. Well, that's the other, that's our final, the listener, the question. What is your favorite Halloween themed game or game experience? Ooh, you got one, Fox? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, um, I don't really like horror, you may have noticed this. Uh, I don't mind, like, cute, fun, spooky horror trappings, those those well, are... Well, that's, you know, that's Halloween trappings to you. But I don't... The druids. Really, I can't really think of anything that, that fits with that, because it's not really the sort of... I know a thing you did that was Halloween-themed, and you really enjoyed it, and you did it regularly. City of Heroes Trick or Treat. Oh! <laughs> well, yeah, of course. It wasn't really fun for its own sake, that was because I wanted a clothes horse badge for yes. my uh, teen idol mascot character. Yes! But, uh, yeah, okay, I, I guess that sort of has to count for default, because I just, I can't think of many halloween things I've ever played. I don't play horror as a general rule in the same way that I don't watch horror films. It's just not for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm having real trouble thinking of cute cartoony spooky. Boo. I, I like Boo. Boo is great. Yeah. I like my glow-in-the-dark Boo faceplates for my 3DS. My glow-in-the-dark! It's <laughs> awesome! And I love the Boo notebooks I got from Club Nintendo before they closed down. 
which are incredibly cute. They have a little boo in every on the corner of every page, and on the cover there is a boo going, Boo, I'm a ghost! <laughs> and it's wonderful. So that is my not actually an answer to your question, but pretty close. <laughs> what about you, Jeff? Are we talking, like, spooky, like, scary, or spooky, like, Halloween, like, spooky, scary skeletons sort of thing? Well, it's, it's comfy freak asking the question, so, you know, feel free to answer how you want. Don't give away the listener's identity! <laughs> we'll be vulnerable to special interest groups! <laughs> Andy Christ will be able to identify him now! No, no! Targeted red panda-related advertising. <laughs> anyway. Um. <laughs> Targeted red panda advertising. Watermelons! Look! Look, watermelons! <laughs> look! <laughs> you were saying, <laughs> Because we're all going to get on with our lives at some point. <laughs> Eventually this recording has to end. Um, I guess if I want my, like, my favorite horror game have to be like uh, Eternal Darkness, which I always enjoyed all this, the, the, the sanity meter effects. Mm. Um, I thought that those were really well really well designed and really well implemented, such that a lot of them weren't overt enough to be easily dismissed. Like, like um, the, my, my absolute favorite is still the fly on your screen. Yes. <laughs> Such a dick. Yeah, that's quality. Because you, you, see, you see it, it's buzzing around, it's like, oh, there's a fly on it. Oh, it's, okay, it's gone, and then you see it again, it's like, and then your screen flashes, and it, this isn't really happening. It's like, oh, you fucking game. <laughs> um, on, the other, on the other hand, there's, I, I'm always a big fan of stuff like Spooky Bonus, the spookiest of bonuses, <laughs> and Haunt the House, Terror Town, which is the cutest game. Yeah. It's really the cute. absolute cutest game. You play as... A really, really adorable spooky ghost. <laughs> and one... you fly around this little, you fly around your little, go- your little building, and the object of the game is to spook everyone. So they leave. <laughs> um, and you do it by like swinging chandeliers and stuff, and it's, it's just so adorable. And it occurs to me, I know another area with a much more serious horror bent or Halloween theme that I know Fox liked, which is Innistrad from Magic the Gathering, where Fox ah. really liked the style and aesthetic of Innistrad. Yeah, but I didn't like it for the horror stuff. That's true, but it's I still like a thing. because uh, fights is the best mechanic ever. <laughs> And uh, because Gisela is, <laughs> and I love the costume design and like all the all the zombie stuff and the the mad science stuff and whatever. Yeah, fuck. I don't really about, care about that shit. Huh, how about that? Fox isn't really into what Blue and Black are doing in the block. <laughs> I'm not really a movie monster Gisella. kind of person. I like werewolves mm. because werewolves are kind of special because they they can just be like cool wolf people. Yeah. And and I am a bit furry. Let's not kid ourselves. You're very much like us. They're kind of fuzzy. <laughs> um, but yeah, mostly I, I like angels and people with cool clothing and. And it reminds me of uh, there's a oh there's a there's a creature in Magic Origins or not Magic Origins in uh, Dragon's Dark here it's the undead can't remember what it's called now it's uh, some kind of, it's, a, it's a zombie lord you know that sort of thing mm-hmm. but um the the loading ready run tap tap and seed nicknames podcast uh, called it um which way to Innistrad <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I know about Innistrad besides the fact that uh, Snapcaster Mage is really good yes. And flashback and is a mechanic that drives half the player base to distraction. And clothing looks excellent in Innistrad. It's all tight vests and puffy sleeves. <laughs> Snapcaster, Snapcaster Mage was was a really powerful card. So why don't, instead of having Snapcaster Mage, what if we put that ability on a planeswalker? Oh, I like I really like vampires. Yes. Because I, I liked the idea of vampires being red-black, because I have always seen vampires as, as, you know, black by nature, but also just, if any if any human-type thing lives that long, I think it's going to be an insufferable shit that's mostly out for its own pleasure. <laughs> So red black seems perfect to me, and also they seem to have made a very deliberate effort to make vampires hot, especially yes. the boys. Yes, <laughs> I, I can't think of a magic set beforehand where I've looked at it and gone, "Wow, they really try to do something for the ladies," as it were, and I appreciate that. As for me, which uh, they pulled off really well at Magic Origins, also. As for me, I have with the abs of treason. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, as for me, I have with uh, horror experiences probably a broader experience than Fox, um, but I think the the, sing- the game that made me the most creeped out, the most Halloweeny, was uh, Werewolf. 
playing the card game, Werewolf. Because <laughs> because on one level, even while we're laughing our butts off, there is still this very latent part of my mind going, this is a closed religious community where if you step out for any reason, everyone who you think is your friends will hang you. <laughs> and if they don't get you... See, when you said, when you said Werewolf, I thought you were talking about the train card game. No, 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 I mean, uh, werewolf, uh, I mean Ultimate Werewolf, the uh, one-person party game. No, sorry, one person. The one box card game. Sixty-four person. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, it, it, it can be made like it, it's a it's a party game, so it'll be driven by how the people want to react. And typically, we get very funny and very silly with it. But the, it's hard to take it too seriously unless everyone is committed to being serious because it's just too easy to make jokes. Yeah, the whole process is ridiculous, so it, it's inherently funny. But it can be a grim freaking game, and the fact that there is this duality of during the day your friends might kill you, during the night a werewolf might kill you. That really can set the spine tingling. I, I think that um, when, when Ultimate Werewolf is played to be spooky, it's really fucking spooky. I did feel extremely bad the one time you played instead of being the... There's like a Game Master role that goes with this game, yeah. and that's pretty much always talent. And the one time he was persuaded to actually play the game, I immediately called for his Yep. And he was the seer. <laughs> yep. Kill that button. <laughs> and I wasn't a wolf. Yep. You, I was just the worst person. You just fucked up. How terrible. It's like, I really want him dead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. He was very gung-ho about killing werewolves, and I don't trust anyone who's too enthusiastic. Yeah, unless it's you, in which case... Hey, I was very enthusiastic about killing him. <laughs> That's my job. Thank you very much for tuning in to this, the podcast that wouldn't die. That <laughs> was Jeb. That <laughs> is Fox. And this has been Talon Lee. Tune in next time, victims! So are we going to record a podcast now? Fucking hell. It was just this weirdness when you were like, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> I'm going to flounce out of this podcast and return in six months demanding a Kickstarter. It was very funny to watch. I'm sorry. I have information that no one else is privy to. You're a funny guy. Privy from the toilet. <laughs> You're saying I'm the other person who has a chance to piss on your expressions. To be fair, everyone does that. Anyway. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in and listening. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. What the hell is wrong with me? I tried so hard not to laugh that time and I didn't and then you fucked up anyway. It was funny. <laughs> yes, dear. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening. That's been the downloadable concept episode. <laughs> the, out, the, out, the, the outtakes for this episode are just going to be, you're, you're just going to upload a bunch of attempts to end the podcast. <laughs> I'm 